today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. cannot see the end of what we're going through right now. The problem is, is we speculate all day long, don't we? Oh man, tomorrow this is going to happen. Oh, and then when that happens, this is going to happen. Oh, and then if that happens, my goodness, that's going to happen. And what are we going to do at that point in time? You know what? Satan is a master at the game, fill in the blanks. And when there's blanks and misunderstandings and the unknown in your life, Satan's going to do everything that he can to fill in the blanks for you so that you and I, we walk in fear rather than faith. If you're going through a challenging situation, you know the temptation to walk in fear, not faith. Pastor David will teach the story of Abraham when he went to the place of sacrifice with his son, Isaac. He had faith that God would provide and spare his son. You'll be challenged to step forward even if the future is full of unknowns. God has a plan. He knows what you don't, and He's in control. Although inconvenient, your challenges are necessary, and most certainly, they're only temporary. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Hebrews chapter 1 with today's edition of The Open Word. the declarations of of the prophets from years and ages ago. God's plan has always been there. It was there even before the garden as he declared that there would be an ending point to that battle in sin. That sin, the sin first began in the garden, but it continued to grow with the heart of man. And the question would have been, what's the end of all of this sin? Because man left to himself, he remains a sinful creature. In all of our learnings, in all of our education, in all of our experience, rather than learning to move away from sin and to become a better, more more pure creation, no, mankind simply becomes a more intelligent and a more accomplished sinner. We don't get any closer to God on our own. It's only because of the blood of Christ. Man could never redeem himself. And so God's plan, again, and I I continue to emphasize this because you and I need to fully grasp this. God's plan from eternity past was to redeem mankind to himself through the blood of his son who had come in human form. He told about that redeemer back in the garden. The first words that we have of the hope of redemption is actually in the garden. Look with me, if you would, at the words there in Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, down in verse 15, God speaking at this point in time to that deceiver, to the serpent, to again, the, the embodiment, I believe, of Satan himself at that point in time. 
after the deceit of Eve, after Eve disobeyed God, ate of that forbidden fruit, after Adam in the the fall came together with Eve and separated himself in fellowship with God because Adam sinned also. After all of that, as God came and began speaking to that serpent, he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. The uniqueness of that prophecy actually speaks of this ageless battle between the forces of Satan and the very souls of men. And there would be this continued enmity, this this hostility, this hatred, this animosity between Satan and man as Satan continually tries to destroy the very souls of those who were created in the image of God. Satan desires to destroy you because you are the creation of God in his own image. And by coming against you, Satan is coming directly against the very heart of God. Remember the words of Jesus to Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus as Jesus spoke to Saul and said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Well, Jesus was already in the heavenlies. Who was receiving the persecution? The Christians. But in the grand scheme of things, when the persecutions, when the trials come to you and I, when the attacks come to our person, the reality is they're coming right to the very heart of Christ himself. And so Satan in his battle against Christ, against God the Father, continues his attack against mankind. There's a strangeness in the phrasing here that God uses. He says there's going to be this enmity between your seed and her seed. He speaks about uh, he will bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Certainly, as God spoke of the seed of the woman, we we understand that he was speaking of her descendants, all that would come after her. There would be this continual battle between the forces of Satan and all of humanity. However, anyone with just the, the, the elementary understanding of the human reproductive system knows that it's the man that carries the seed and the woman carries the egg. The man's seed fertilizes that egg. So why did God speak of the seed, why didn't God speak of the seed of Adam being against the seed of the serpent? Did God say something wrong here? Did God forget how he had created man just a short time ago? No, I don't believe so. Again, God himself, even speaking prophetically to the Satan with the hearing and the understanding of both Adam and Eve there, early on declaring that there would be a virgin birth the seed of a woman. Oh, we, we, we couldn't understand that at that point, but through the years as the prophets continued to get the revelation of God's word, God revealing himself portion by portion here, it soon came to be a clear understanding. When it says that uh, he shall bruise your head, he shall bruise your heel. For the one, there's that much more serious, even a fatal wound, a wound to the head. But the other wound is simply an inconvenience for a moment. He shall bruise, or you shall bruise his heel. Understand that the attack, even the crucifixion of Christ, was an inconvenience, but for a moment. 
You think, pastor, an inconvenience. My goodness, he was, he was nailed to a cross. He was, he was beaten. He was pierced. Uh, the thorns of the crown that was placed upon him. The beatings, all that he took. He, he died on that cross. But you have to understand that in the grand scheme of all of eternity, that was temporary. It was necessary. It was an inconvenience. An inconvenience for a moment and for a time. And the reason I want to focus in on that reality is because, beloved, everything that you and I go through in life right now is temporary. Most often it's necessary. And yes, it is an inconvenience. But you know what? God's plan has been working from eternity past. And he's working and moving in your life. Yeah, even through that situation that you're dealing with today. That weight that was on your heart and and in your mind and, and tearing at your spirit, even this morning, those things, understand regardless of what it is, each and every one of those things, they're temporary. They may be necessary. They're definitely inconvenient. But God's plan is working and moving. And so we have the opportunity. Am I going to fight against that plan, or in the midst of that great inconvenience and that great struggle, am I simply going to say, Lord, I am yours. I am yours. You know what I'm going through. You know the battle that's here right now. You know the struggle that's in my life right now. And Lord, I'm surrendering to you because I know that all of this is temporary but there is a great eternity that stands yet before each one of us. Temporary, yet necessary inconvenience. You need to understand that that's what happened with Christ, but to Satan, it will be a final death blow. You know that at the end of time, Satan will be bound for a thousand years. He'll be released for a short period of time. After that, that short period of time, the Lord will come, bind him, and then cast him into that lake of fire forever and ever. That wound is the mortal wound. As with many of these prophecies, the few words that are written there in the third chapter of Genesis, again, might not have made sense at that point in time, but God through his prophets, continued to speak, even as we read in Hebrews. At various times and in various ways, God spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. Not only was it the words of the prophets, but one of the things that we see throughout the word of God were the actions of the forefathers. And many of those actions speak to us even today, again, of the power of God's plan, God's purpose, and God's ending work. Still in in the book of Genesis, we think through the prophetic types And we we think of Abraham, and remember Abraham was called to take his son, his only son, Isaac, and to sacrifice him right there. That ought to be, again, a reminder to us. God sent his son, his only son, his beloved son, as a sacrifice for us. But the whole completeness of that story, in absolute obedience, Abraham, early the next morning, begins to gather supplies together. He gathers the donkeys together. He gets his men together. They get the wood for the sacrifice together. And they, together with Isaac, his son, his only son, they travel for three days to get 
to the place where God told him, that's where I want you to go and sacrifice your son. When they got to the base of that mountain, you need to hear the words that Abraham declared. It's in Genesis 22, verse five. And again, I'm not waiting on you, but you can go there if you want. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder. That's why we know that Abraham's kind of a country guy. We're gonna go up yonder. We're gonna go yonder and worship. And we will, and we will come back to you. You see, Abraham, in the midst of what he knew that God had called him to do, had the absolute faith that God was in charge. And God's gonna work this. I don't know how he's gonna work this out. You ever had that kind of declaration? We're in a pickle here. I don't know how God's gonna work this out, but I am fully assured that God will work it out. Me and the lad will come back to you. And so they went up there, and on the way up, suddenly Isaac, he's getting kind of concerned about this thing. He says, Father, I I, I see the fire, I I see the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? At at that point in time, Isaac didn't know that his father was taking him up there to sacrifice him. Somehow in the midst of all that was taking place, Because Abraham knew that God was in total control and he had surrendered himself to the hand and to the plan of God, even in this difficult time. God had told him to sacrifice Isaac, but Abraham must have had a a belief in, in the resurrection because he had told the servants, remember, the lad and I will come back to you. But Abraham answers Isaac's question. He says, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. And so the two went on together, and you know the story. At the very last moment, the voice of the angel says, no, hold it, Abraham, don't harm the lad. And so Abraham stopped the knife just as he was getting ready to sacrifice his son, walking in absolute obedience, not understanding the end because he can't see the end. And you know what? Neither can you and I. We cannot see the end of what we're going through right now. The problem is, is we speculate all day long, don't we? Oh man, tomorrow this is going to happen. Oh, and then when that happens, this is going to happen. Oh, and then if that happens, my goodness, that's going to happen. And what are we gonna do at that point in time? You know what? Satan is a master at the game, fill in the blanks. And when there's blanks and misunderstandings and the unknown in your life, Satan's gonna do everything that he can to fill in the blanks for you so that you and I, we walk in fear rather than faith. Do you have to have every blank filled before you're willing to trust who God is and his work and his move in your hand? Or are you willing to continue to step forward even though there's a tremendous amount of unknown before you? Beloved, that's what walking in faith is all about. If God, in eternity past, put a plan in motion, and according to his word, we understand that he works in and through the hearts and lives of his children, and that we are totally under his control and his hand, then you and I ought to be able to continue to walk forward in the fullness of faith the fullness of faith. There's so many other 
pictures that we see. Even we can go 400 years prior to the Exodus. And we see a young man, Joseph. And, and catch this picture, if you would. Joseph was sacrificed by his brothers. And he was, in essence, dead because of what his brothers had done. Catch the picture here that we're building. But when Joseph, though at that point as good as dead, went into prison with no hope of anything happening, he was finally, he was down in prison, and then finally he was lifted up. And as Joseph was lifted up, placed in position in Pharaoh's court, then and only then was he able to extend, I'm going to use the word salvation, to all those that would come to him. Remember, there was a great famine in the land. Joseph was raised up in Pharaoh's court. They had been saving food for seven years. And at the end of that seven years, the drought began. And Pharaoh told the people, you go to Joseph. Joseph will be the provider, literally, of your salvation. A physical salvation, albeit, but again, it is a picture of Christ. Do you think that Joseph while he was, again, being beaten and left in a pit, sold as a slave to these traveling traders, do you think he was thinking, hey, man, God's got this under control. I'm good to go. I believe in all honesty, Joseph was probably weeping and heartbroken and yet saying, I still know that my God is in control. And when Joseph got to the place of Potiphar's house, he was doing everything he could right. And when Potiphar's wife got the hots for Joseph, got him in trouble, he went into prison again. I don't believe that Joseph was, hey, that's all right, man. I know. I believe that once again, Joseph, not unlike you and I, heartbroken, not knowing tomorrow, God, I don't understand this. But this one thing I do know, I trust you. Joseph didn't know what his tomorrow was going to be, but he trusted God. And the next day, whenever that day came about, he was lifted up, became greatest in all of Egypt next to Pharaoh. And from that, God used him to save those around him. We see the same picture in Exodus, in the sacrifice, in the Passover. We see God's plan worked out in people's and individual lives that reveal to us the fullness of his overall plan of redemption. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke to our fathers through the prophets in the past, has in these last days spoken to us through his son. Do you realize that at the birth of Jesus, that began the clock of the last days? And beloved, I believe now some 2,000 years later, we are in the last of the last days. I believe more than anything else, you and I need to be seeing our lives as instruments of God's plan, regardless of what we're going through. Because remember, it's temporary. It may very well be necessary. And we know it's inconvenient. 
But as God is working his plans and purposes out, is he going to find us faithful to trust him even in these things, even in these things? Because, beloved, as we come to the end of God's earthly plan and the soon return of Christ for his children, are you and I living our lives, declaring through our words and our actions and everything that we are, the greatness of the hope that is within us, that God's in charge. And I submit, I commit my life wholly and completely to him. Temporary, necessary, inconvenient. There was a young maid about nine months pregnant. And suddenly the government of her land said that you need to move. But I'm nine months pregnant. That's very, very inconvenient. But it was necessary. Why? Because in ages past, God had determined that the Savior would be born in Bethlehem. And Mary was living in Nazareth. Do you think that that was a mistake? I don't believe so. Because that inconvenience was only temporary as they came and took that journey on that last few weeks of her pregnancy. Very inconvenient, but it was also temporary because God fulfilled his promise to the prophets of long ago when he declared to them, thou Bethlehem of Ephrathah, the little among all else, to you that one is going to be born. And that was the promise, that was the fulfillment. God fulfilled his plans and purposes. We see his word being fulfilled and his promises being made sure. And if we can place our trust, if we can place our confidence in the reality of his might, in the reality of his power, of his ability, of his knowledge, of the sovereignty, the control he has over all of his creation and his willingness to accomplish all that he has determined in our lives, then shouldn't we, shouldn't you and I be able to see and understand that out of temporary, present situations, they're simply that. They're temporary. And eternity yet stands before us. So in that temporary time, let us stand in full faith and full assurance that God is and will work his purposes and his plans out in our lives. As you continue to plan and prepare for this Christmas, be certain you're resting in God's plan and God's purposes. I know that this time of the season, for many, it's great celebration of family and friends. For others, it's going to be a hard time. You've, you've lost a loved one this last year, or there's things that are going on in your family or in your life. This Christmas season, it's going to be difficult. But beloved, be assured of this. Our God is intimately aware of all that we walk through, and his desire is to walk there with us, strengthen us, and encourage us and show us his fullness in the midst of it. We 
We're so glad you took the time today to spend with us here on The Open Word. We also hope you find joy and peace this holiday season and that Jesus is in the forefront of your mind. Is there anything we can be praying about with you or any exciting things God's doing in your life that we can rejoice with you over? If so, please give us a call at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. We're honored to pray for our listeners. Would you like to hear more messages from this series? Pastor David's here to tell you how that's possible. Hey, thanks, Chris. Not only can you find our Christmas messages, but all the messages that you've enjoyed and any that you've missed here on The Open Word, they're available on our website. Just visit theopenword.com and click on Teachings. You can scroll through the archive and listen online. You can download the teachings to take with you on the go. I've even provided my notes if you'd like to read along. You might see something new your ears may have missed. Hey, feel free to share any of my teachings if you feel it would be a benefit to friend or family members. That website, one more time, is theopenword.com. I pray your Christmas season is filled with the presence of Jesus, allowing you to look forward to a wonderful new year in Christ. We'd love to meet you in person. If you're in the area, come join us for our services at Calvary Casa Grande. We meet Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday. You'll find all the information you need at theopenword.com. That's all for today. Join us next time to continue digging into the Word of God right here on The Open Word. Merry Christmas. Make us more.